Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Wizard Apprentice Podcast. I'm your host, Seth, and welcome to today's episode of Player Insight, where we do deep dives into questions for players to help them improve their game. Question of the day is, what is the Barbarian class good at, and what should I know before I select it for my class? But first, let me tell you about what you're listening to. The Wizard Apprentice podcast is designed for players and DMs alike to get short, informational, and purposeful talks to help make D&D more enjoyable and smooth. With talks from world building, character creation, practical guides on monsters, and much more, we are dedicated to improving your game. So again, the question of the day is, what is the Barbarian class good at? And what should I know before I select it? The Barbarian class is my favorite martial class. It is the... Oh, I love barbarians. They're so cool. This is the first class guide we've ever done um, on the Wizard Apprentice podcast. Um, hopefully, we're going to be doing once a, once a month. We'll be breaking down a class and breaking down its skills and how you'd play it and things like that. And so, this is the first one we've done. And I think it is an excellent choice to do the barbarian. Not only because alphabetically it's the first one in the player's handbook, but also because it's really cool. Barbarians are super cool and they're awesome. And so, we're going to be talking a lot about them. Uh, let me kind of break down what we're looking at when we look at a barbarian. Barbarians are peak physical specimens who leap into the thick of combat, dealing good damage and being able to take large amounts of damage. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to break down what makes a barbarian different from all other classes, talk about some of their features and mechanics, and how you would play them. To describe a barbarian is uh, much more simple than it probably lets on, and I think that it is the perfect class for someone looking to get into D&D that wants a simple and impactful class to start D&D with. If you are playing, and this is your first time, you don't know what to pick, you should ask your DM, hey, can I play Barbarian? Because it is a highly effective class that has great features. You're going to be in combat for plenty of time. You have a lot of HP, and it has a lot of really cool skills and abilities that make you feel powerful and make you feel like you're in included in the production value of your party. Barbarians are warriors. They're nomads soldiers, berserkers, any of the sort. They're, they are a primarily melee fighter um, who fights with more intensity and emotion than they, than they do necessarily with technique. Not saying that they don't have technique. Um, however, rather than finding a hole in the armor to puncture, a barbarian thinks, why not put a hole through the chest plate of the armor instead <laughs> barbarians are incredibly strong and they have a myriad of powerful features that keep them relevant even at higher levels an unchecked barbarian can deal immense damage and can fend off powerful monsters and so there's a uh, there's so many cool things that a barbarian can do um and they fight with emotion more than necessarily technique to break them down the difference between a fighter which is a dnd class and the barbarian they can they get compared to a lot because they both can fight and fighters literally in the name of fighter but while fighters are basically a master class in the technique and abilities and capabilities of a weapon uh, of like a weapon and its wielder a barbarian is much more a show of the raw untapped potential of the human psyche and being able to wield a weapon and more so smash it over someone's head than cleanly cut um so barbarians are awesome they are so cool when you select a barbarian it means a couple of things. Not always, but traditionally, here are four things that you are going to be integral to for the party. 
First, you are going to have one of the highest HP pools, if not the highest in the whole party. You will almost certainly have one of the highest, if not the most HP in the whole party. You have a lot. You have the highest hit dice for your rolling for your HP. Uh, it is a D12, which means every time you level up, you roll D12 and you add your constitution modifier to your HP, which means that other classes that have a D6, D8, or D10 are losing out to the higher potential for HP because you have a lot more, you're going to have a lot more average HP than the average um, party member. You are going to be one of the best melee fighters in the party, um, not only because of your abilities that you have, but also the stats that uh, that barbarians are really good with, strength and constitution, um, and, and a, to a lesser extent, dexterity. Um, those three stats are integral to melee fighting, and your abilities really sync up well with those stats. So you're going to be one of the best melee fighters in the party. You're going to get hit a lot. <laughs> you're going to take a lot of damage, and that's a good thing. We're going to talk about why in one second, but you are going to get hit a lot. Last thing is that you are going to set the pace for your party's combat speed normally. Traditionally, um, whenever you think of like regular like, team fighter games, whether it's like a Overwatch or uh, or like um, games like that, where the tank is primarily the the defender of the party. If the tank runs into combat, well, there goes your guy. It looks like you guys have to run in. Or if they play more reserved, you have to play. The party kind of plays a bit more reserved because they're kind of standing behind the um, the tank. You are the tank for your party. You serve as the tank and bruiser that helps cushion the brunt of an attack against your party. You are kind of like this, this HP cushion for the party. Um, because you have so much HP, that means that, let's say, I, let's say at level 5, the average person in the party is going to have about 30 to 35 HP. You're going to have about 50 to 55. You're going to have a lot more HP and with abilities that help reduce damage. Um, you can take 30, 40 damage before even having to, even having to think, hey, Cleric, I could use a little bit of healing right now. You have a lot of HP to tussle. So just keep that in mind as you're playing that you can take a lot of punishment and you are going to set the pace for your party's uh, combat. What are the most important stats for a Barbarian? I touched on them briefly, but there are six stats in D&D. &D. Um, there's Strength, Dexterity, Constitution, Intelligence, Wisdom, and Charisma. There was, there was a, I don't know where this is or who posted it originally, but um, if we're going to take a tomato, right? And here are six things that you, that like each of the stats would do with a potato. High strength, or not potato, a tomato. High strength, you can crush the tomato really good. Dexterity, you can dodge the potato, be, uh, the tomato being thrown at you. Constitution, you can eat a bad potato, a tomato, oh my gosh, a bad tomato, and you'll probably be okay. Intelligence, you know that a tomato is considered a fruit. And <laughs> wisdom, you know not to put a tomato in a fruit smoothie. And then charisma, you are able to sell a tomato really good. So each of those stats um, have their own specific purpose for certain classes. For barbarian, your strength, your constitution, and to a lesser extent, your dexterity are really, really important. Your strength, because that is where the most of your damage is coming from. It raises your chance to hit. And that is your primary stat for all of your offensive capabilities, which you have a lot of. So the higher your strength is, the more damage you're going to be able to deal. Your constitution determines your total hit points. 
And not only that, there's an ability that helps it also with your defense as well, how hard you are to hit your armor class. Um, so constitution is also very important because the more HP you have, the more tanking and the more punishment you're able to take for your party. And to a lesser extent, dexterity. Dexterity also raises your armor class, makes you harder to hit. But not only that, it also allows you to go into combat quicker and allows you to leap into the fray with your team and also allows you to dodge uh, weapons or spells that might deal damage to you that you're not necessarily resistant to. Skills that are useful. So again, under each of these stats, there is a myriad of different skills that you can select as you're selecting your barbarian. The most important one is going to be athletics. Athletics is used for grappling. It's used for um, it's used for a, a dozen different things. Um, but athletics is a strength-based skill, which means that if your strength is high, your athletics is going to be high. So again, capitalize off your strengths. Um, play play to your strengths a lot. Other skills that might be useful for a barbarian um, is wisdom-based skills. So that's nature, survival, insight, perception, um, animal handling. Uh, skills like that, They while they aren't necessarily for combat, they do fill out your character. Um, barbarians are not traditionally, but a lot of the time they are nomads or they are come from tribes or they are these primal warriors who are driven to, um, to fight uh, just and they're like berserkers or like Nordic Vikings kind of kind of vibes. And so perception and and learning about your area around you, survival and nature, being able to scavenge and hunt for food. That's that's very barbarian esque, and it can really fill out your character uh, RP wise and role play wise as you interact with the party. So you serve as the tank, <laughs> right? So we just talked about how you have all that HP. Uh, what does tanking actually mean in D&D? Because it depends on the game. De sorry, it depends on the game. But in a lot of games, tanking is a little bit different depending on what game you're playing. So here are the three ways that someone can tank in D&D. Tanking, the definition of it sort of, is to help sustain your party by keeping uh, through combat by keeping damage away from the team. So your whole goal is to kind of deny damage from the rest of your party. There are three ways you can do that. D&D. &D. One is with a high armor class. The higher your armor class, the lower the chance is that someone's going to be able to hit you. Whenever someone says, I attack, you have to roll a d20 and add your uh, modifier to try and hit someone. If you meet or exceed someone's armor class, you hit them. If you have a high armor class and you stand in the way of a powerful enemy and you kind of just say, hey, hit me, hit me, and they keep on trying to hit you, but they keep on missing, you are denying them damage because you are not letting them get any attacks off a second way is to deny damage outright if i keep my enemies at bay and out of range or i use abilities to buff my allies or debuff enemies and i won't allow the enemy to get an offense rolling you are necessarily tanking you are effectively tanking for the party because you're not letting the the enemies get a offense going so spells like hold person that keep people from moving or attacking spells like blindness and deafness that will Make it to where enemies can't really attack that well. Uh, spells like Bane that will keep a um, that will make it harder for enemies to actually roll their attacks, or spells like Shield of Faith or the spell Shield that will Shield that will keep your party's armor class high and make it harder for them to be hit. You are tanking because you are not letting them deal damage. The last way is to have a high HP pool. Absorbing damage means that the damage isn't going towards your party. So if you have a lot of HP, you can. Uh, you kind of serve as a cushion. 
to let your party kind of deal damage before you need to actually need any support. We are the latter. Taking damage is fine. We have a lot of HP and a lot of abilities to help us stay up. So barbarians are one of the greatest tanks because they can just they can take so much punishment. Let's talk about some of the key abilities barbarians have. I'm going to be primarily covering uh, features in the player's handbook. Um, there are other skills and other abilities that are optional that are listed in other books like Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. If you want to include said optional abilities, talk to your DMs and ask them and sit down with them and see if uh, the DM would allow you to use that ability. We will also not be covering the subclasses or paths of the Barbarian as there are way too many subclasses for barbarians for us to be able to sit here and do this within like 20 like 30 40 minutes so i'm not going to worry about it um but we will do eventually a uh we'll eventually cover the barbarian subclasses but for now we're just sticking to the standard abilities that all barbarians get rage is the defining feature of a barbarian you get it at level one it's a bonus action to activate and it lasts for one minute it gives you advantage on all strength checks and uh, ability checks and saving throws. Not necessarily attack rolls, not attack rolls, but all strength-based ability checks, saving throws. Um, it gives you advantage on them, which means you roll twice and you take the highest number instead of just rolling once. Very, very awesome. Very. It's kind of like uh, whenever you rage, you kind of begin to froth at the mouth and and your muscles kind of tense and your veins pop out of your of your biceps and you are all so angry. That's kind of that rage, and you are you're so amped and ready to go. Um, not only that, it gives you bonus damage on attacks. It starts at a plus two, and it climbs up as you level up. Um, but it gives you bonus damage on all attacks made while you are raging. Also, it gives you resistance, which means that you take half damage from bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage, the most common types of damage in D&D. Um, elemental damage is not nearly as common as bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. And so you're going to have so much, effectively doubles your HP when you're attacking and when you're dealing damage or whenever you're like in the thick of it. So if I'm a barbarian and I just raged and someone hits me and they say, all right, you take 20 damage. Well, actually I get to, it's 20 bludgeoning damage. Okay. I cut that in half. I'm only going to take 10 damage instead. Oh, okay. Okay. If it is an odd number, you round down. So let's say they said, all right, and you're going to take 21 points of damage. Okay, that's 10. You're going to take 25 points of damage. Okay, that is 12. So it not only is cutting it in half, but it's a little bit over half, really, if you think about it. So Barbarians, super, super strong ability. There are some, there are some cons to it. One of them is that you can't cast spells while you're raging. You are not able to cast spells while you're raging. Um, and if you have concentration on spells, you cannot keep concentration on spells while you're raging. There are some spells you have to like kind of focus on and keep up, uh, keep up and uh, it'll drop if you try and rage, um, which makes sense. It's kind of hard to concentrate when you're frothing at the mouth and everything, everything goes red, right? Um, also, your rage can end if you have not attacked since your last turn and your turn ends. If you fall unconscious, you choose to end it or if you have not taken any damage since your last turn. If um, if none of these things happen, or if all these like if all these things kind of go off, so if I get hit, I if even if I don't attack, I still have my rage. If I um, if I attack and I miss and I still take any damage, I still have my rage because I tried to attack. Um, so just one of these one of these needs to be happening, right? You don't end it, you don't fall unconscious, and you either and you either attack or get or get uh, get attacked right 
Um, but if if all these kind of happen at once, where you don't attack and you don't take damage, and uh, maybe you're still conscious, but if those things don't happen, your rage will end. That is the defining part of a barbarian's toolkit. We'll talk about more about how to use their toolkit, but for now, rage. Next one, next one up is the unarmored defense. Your armor class uh, for a barbarian is ten, so one zero ten plus your dexterity modifier. Barbarians get to add their constitution modifier as well. A higher constitution modifier not only means HP for your barbarian, but also AC for your barbarian. So the higher your constitution modifier is, the better off you're going to be. You're going to be hit less and you're going to have more HP to work with. Um, that is an ability specific to barbarians. The average person, the average uh, class, ha- if, if they're not wearing any armor, their AC is 10 plus their dexterity modifier. We have 10 plus dexterity plus constitution. So long as we're not wearing armor, right? However, shields do not count as armor. So just a little fun fact for you. If you want to wield one a one-handed weapon and then a shield, that is totally viable. That is absolutely a great way to keep your barbarian up for longer because they have a higher armor class. So, if you want to tank a little bit more, things are getting a little bit more dicey, switch out, deal a little bit less damage, and choose to be a bit more defensive. Next ability, Danger Sense. Danger Sense, you get it at level 2. It gives you advantage on dexterity saving throws against effects that you can see. If I cast Fireball on you, you have advantage on that dexterity save. Again, so a higher dexterity means you're going to be able to dodge out of the way of things faster. You roll d20, you add your dexterity modifier. If you can see the attack coming, you get advantage on it. So danger sense, great ability to keep you, again, upright and still moving. That's kind of like that primal instinct of like looking behind your shoulder, shoulder, my goodness, looking behind your shoulder and seeing the fireball flying at you and just kind of leaping out of the way. It's really cool. Also, another key feature you get at level two is reckless attack. At the beginning of your turn, before you make your first attack, uh, before you make your first attack, you can choose to make your attacks reckless, and your attacks, your melee attacks that you have for the rest of your turn, uh, you have advantage on them. However, that means that opponents that make attack rolls against you have advantage as well. So imagine, rather than trying to decisively make your attacks, you begin to swing wildly at your opponent, leaving open space and uh, open defenses against you. However, your attacks are going to be landing much more often. Um, we'll talk about when to use reckless attack in a moment at level five you get extra attack which means if you take the attack action you can attack twice instead of attacking once an excellent ability that just again signifies that you are a melee fighter who's going to be dealing a lot of awesome damage you also get fast movement Um, you get plus 10 to your movement speed if you are not wearing armor so again shields don't count against this um, but not only do you get the bonus AC, if you're not wearing armor, the dexterity plus constitution, you also get 10 more movement speed. The average movement speed uh, in D&D is 30. On average, the average person in your party is going to have 30 movement speed. We, at level 5, will have 40 movement speed at, like, about, if we use that same average, we'll have about 40 movement speed, which is great. We're flying, we're running really quick, we're jumping into the combat. Level 7, you get Feral Instinct. Um, it gives you advantage on initiative rolls, which means when the when the DM says, all right, roll initiative, you get to roll twice and take the highest number. An excellent ability for getting in the thick of combat and setting the pace for your team. Not only that, you cannot be surprised if the first thing you do in combat is rage. 
Um, being ambushed is a real threat in D&D. Uh, the surprise condition can really hinder a party. But you don't have to worry about that at level 7. If you rage, if you rage, you're going to get uh, be able to start off combat even though the rest of your party is surprised, which could be really, really nice. Level 9, you get the ability called Brutal Critical, which means that you deal extra damage on a critical hit. If my weapon, let's take my Great Axe, take a great axe it deals 1d12 slashing damage normally when you crit you roll natural 20 on your attack roll you roll two of the what you roll double the weapon dice so my great axe now deals 2d12 which is great at level nine however you get an extra damage dice on your critical hits which means now instead of dealing 2d12 it's 3d12 on a critical hit which is insane also to note if a weapon deals two uh, dice of damage so let's say a uh, a great sword deals 2d6 slashing damage if you crit it deals 4d6 if you have brutal critical it deals 5d6 not 66 the reason for that is that it, uh, it specifies it deals one additional damage dice not triple the damage so you're going to deal one extra dice that one extra d6 instead of dealing 66 level 11 is relentless rage uh, upon hitting 0 HP, so long as you're raging, you roll a constitution saving throw equal to DC 10. That means the difficulty class. It means it's how hard, it, how the number you have to meet or exceed to pass. If you pass, you instead drop to 1 HP instead of 0 HP, and the DC goes up by 5. Then, the next time you go to 0 HP, you roll it again. Now it's a DC 15. You pass, it goes up to 20, then 25, then 30, and so on and so forth until you can't pass it anymore, and eventually you fall unconscious. So... That is an excellent ability. Let's say you're on the you're on the you're on the ropes. You're at you're at 12 HP and you're getting hit hard. You take 24 damage. It's cut in half to 12. You drop to zero HP. The party thinks, oh no, he's gone. And you roll your con save for relentless rage, and you get a 15, and you're up. You actually have one HP. It's kind of like saying, I didn't hear no bell, <laughs> right? No, the bell, I'm done when the bell rings and the bell hasn't rung yet. And so it keeps you in the fight longer. And that's really cool. Level 15, you get the ability called Persistent Rage, which means that you your rage cannot end unless you choose to end it or you fall unconscious. So remember at the beginning, we talked about rage and how if you don't attack or if you don't take any damage or if you fall unconscious or you choose to end it, your, spell, your rage ends. But... If you have persistent rage, it cannot end unless you choose to end it or you fall unconscious, which means that um, let's say you rage and you run up on somebody, but you don't have enough movement speed and that they don't hit you. You don't lose your rage. Excellent, excellent ability. Level 18 is indomitable might. If you make a strength check uh, and the total is lower than your strength score, you can choose for the role to be your strength score instead. So your strength score is what determines your modifier and your strength modifier or in all stats. And on average for a barbarian, it's going to be 16 or higher, right? Um, that means that your modifier and your strength is going to be a plus three or higher. If it is a 20, uh, that means that if I roll a strength check and I got a four, I add my modifier, my modifier is a plus five. So now it's a nine. I can instead say, hey, I'm going to use indomitable might and my strength score, which is a 20, is what I rolled. I rolled a 20 on that strength check, which is insane which is so so freaking cool it means that you can at the very least roll a 20 if you have a 20 in your strength score on any skill check you make with strength super super awesome 
the capstone ability, the most powerful ability at level 20, which is the highest level you can go in D&D, is called Primal Champion. You get a plus four to your strength score and your constitution score, meaning the maximum is no longer 20 for those, but 24 for those skills, which means that you could have up to a plus seven in your strength modifier or your constitution modifier if they are both at 20 whenever you reach or they're both at plus five if you reach level 20 that is insane it means your plus to hit goes up by two your damage goes up by two you get 40 more hp like off rip it is an insane ability and at level 20 it is very deserving for a barbarian so those are all the abilities that a barbarian gets through the player's handbook without special features or traits or things like that um let's go into combat style with a barbarian i'm i'm not going to really consider all the super high level abilities i'm just simply just going to talk about the lower level abilities you know reckless attack extra excuse me extra attack fast movement rage the basic ones that most barbarians will have whenever they're rolling initiative so combat usually goes like this in DD, the dm says roll initiative you roll d20 and you add your dexterity modifier the higher the number, the quicker you can get in. Barbarians want to go first so they can get early damage in and get into a prime location with their movement speed. Let's say that you roll initiative, you get an 18, or you get a 1, or it doesn't really matter. Whatever you get on your turn, you get three things you can do on each of your turns in D&D. You have an action, a bonus action, and movement, which means that you can do one of these, you can do all three of them, you can do two of them, Whatever you want, you have those three things at your disposal every time you start your turn. Abilities like Rage are a bonus action, which means that you can activate it and still have more things you can do on your turn. I recommend when you start combat, the first thing you do is Rage because of the, the abilities that you have are so good when you Rage. Rage is a great ability to start off combat with. Um, your movement speed determines how far you can go without additional assistance. The average movement speed for a D&D character is 30. For us, it's 40 whenever we hit level 5. So we're again, we're moving into combat. We're trying to close the distance on enemies very quickly. So that's your bonus action. That's movement. Your action is the primary thing you get to do on your turn. Traditionally, a barbarian's primary thing they're going to do on their turn is attack. Shocker, right? You know, no way. Well, yeah, of course. Of course, Yahweh, I do a ton of damage. I'm going to attack all the time. Um, you, There are other actions you can choose to do. We'll talk about them in a second. But primarily, you're going to be attacking with your action, which is totally fine. Let's get into this hypothetical fight. The party rolls initiative. It's the barbarian and three other members. And there's a group of, there's a group of other enemies that are on the other side of the field. And we're all rolling initiative to fight. When it gets to your turn, the first thing you want to do is rage. Because the benefits it gives us are insane resistance to damage extra extra damage um advantage on all strength and uh ability checks um and saving throws with strength so great great abilities we're gonna rage we're gonna use our movement speed to try and close the distance on one of two targets either the strongest target <laughs> we want to try and handle the strongest target for our party because that's going to keep them from dealing damage to the party or we're going to try and sequentially knock out a ton of smaller and weaker enemies. Um, up to you. Both strategies work, but you need to communicate with your team. Not necessarily metagaming and saying, 
hey guys, so I'm going to go after this guy. You guys want to go after them. But the barbarian's saying, I'll take the big guy or I'll take the little guys. That works great. <laughs> it doesn't have to be super crazy. Um, but communicate with your team about what you want to do in your combat style. If you choose to take on the smaller opponents, uh, that there's a benefit for that because that means that they're probably easier to take out. They're probably going to be uh, less HP, less damage, and you can probably cut down one or two of them pretty quickly in, into the start of combat. So barbarians are great at picking off smaller, smaller combatants and then running to the next one and then running to the next one. However, be keep in mind that a stronger opponent without like left unchecked could deal a lot of damage to lesser defended allies. So a wizard that's in the back, if the if the stronger opponent sees the wizard and he's not occupied with a barbarian in his face, he might go over there and deal a lot of damage to the wizard. So just be mindful and make sure your party has a plan for that. But if you choose to run up to the big guy, you can deny that damage um, and keep him occupied with you. Having a barbarian in your face is a lot of prob- is a lot of trouble. <laughs> um, so bonus action, your rage, your movement speed you use to close in the distance and you use your action to attack. You can choose to attack recklessly if you'd like using reckless attack, giving yourself advantage on these attack rolls. Uh, we have the HP to tussle with enemies for a while. So it's okay if they have advantage on attacks against us. Um, and we have resistance to the most common types of damage. So bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. But we need to use a little bit of discretion when we use our reckless attack. So let's kind of dive in. What are the times that we should use our reckless attack? And when should we not use it? You should use reckless attack if your party has the upper hand and combat is going really well. <laughs> if things are going good... Reckless attack is flowing. If they have a lot, if you have a lot of HP, you can use your reckless attack. Because that means that if let's say they hit, or God forbid they crit on you, you have enough you have enough HP to where you're probably gonna be okay. So if you have a lot of HP, you're level seven, you have 79 HP, and you get you get hit, you're fine. <laughs> you take 30 damage, cut it in half to 15. I'm fine. I'm good. I can tussle. We're good. If you if your team really needs you to hit this guy, <laughs> this guy is really low and he's about to die. You really need to take him out. Reckless attack. Get advantage on the hit. Take him down. If you are desperate to knock a creature unconscious, reckless attack. If you are not surrounded, reckless attack. If you are surrounded, I would advise against uh, reckless attacking. The reason being is that it gives all people advantage on attack rolls against you. So let's say that it's just you and this bad guy. That's cool. Reckless. If there's you, this bad guy, and three other bad guys around you, that means that four creatures are going to get advantage on attack rolls against you. That's gonna that that could that could turn over even if you have even if you have resistance to damage. That might still turn you uh, and hurt you a lot of da- hurt you really bad. So just be mindful of that. Um, if you have a backup system or a, a, a like reinforcements in the immediate area that can help you if things go south. Reckless attack. That means the bar, the paladin is fighting an enemy right, uh, right like 15 feet away from me. So if I get hit, I can say, hey, paladin, I need a hand over here. And he might be able to like run over and give me a hand. So um, things like that are going to be very helpful um, for using your reckless attack. I would not use my reckless attack if one more hit is going to knock me out. <laughs> if I don't want to give anyone a chance to hit me a little bit more um, because if I get knocked unconscious... Uh, that means that there's no one to help protect my team. So my barbarian, I'm going to try and wait to use my reckless, reckless attack. Um, I'm going to try and not use it if I'm super low on HP. Again, also if I'm surrounded. 
if I am retreating, I'm not going to use my reckless attack. If I'm trying, if my party's trying to escape, I don't want to give the enemy more opportunities to hit me, uh, because I need to, I need to protect my team. I need to be there for them. So I'm just going to hit them and move back. I'm not going to try and reckless attack. And if their AC is very low, if the enemy has an AC of like 11, that I wouldn't reckless attack because I'm probably going to hit anyways. You can, I won't stop you. <laughs> Obviously I can't stop you, but I usually wouldn't because I mean, you're probably already going to hit anyways. So getting it with advantage, whatever, you know, whatever you want to do. That's a lot to consider, but use it to your liking. You don't have to, you, you don't have to reckless attack. You don't have to attack even. There's a lot of other things you can do as a barbarian besides just attack. Here are some other actions you can choose to do with your turn. You can disengage, which means that you're not going to provoke opportunity attacks with your movement speed. So you're in the thick of combat and your party says, hey, we're retreating. We're backing out. You can disengage, turn around and haul booty out of there. Get your butt out of there. Um, they're not going to be able to attack you as you retreat. And you still are raging because your rage hasn't ended. So that means even if they hit you this next turn, you'll, you'll still have resistance to it. Excuse me. Dash. The dashing action uh, doubles your movement speed for your turn. So let's say you have 40 movement speed because of fast movement. Now it's 80 movement speed. You're going to fly. You're going to fly really quick. And it allows you to close the distance on somebody. So I can rage. I can run up on somebody. And then I can stand right in front of them and just be up in their face. If they're a little bit too far away for me to hit. Dodge. The dodge action gives you uh, gives enemies disadvantage on attack rolls against you. So I could rage and then stand in front of them and use the dodge action and they're going to try and hit me, but they have disadvantage on it. And even if they do hit me, I have resistance to the damage. Um, it's a great way to try and deny damage towards somebody. Sometimes the best thing to do is just not hit them. Maybe they have an ability that's going to go off if you hit them. Maybe the party is trying to set something up. Maybe you don't even want to hurt this guy or maybe you do, but it's just right now is not a good time. <laughs> So using the dodge action, don't don't sleep on the dodge action, man. Dodge action can work really good. The grapple action. Grappling now is considered to be one of your attacks. So if you have multi-attack, you could attack and then use your second attack to grapple or the other way around. Grappling a creature means they can't move, which means that a really fast move movement-esque um, enemy that is trying to go around you and hit the and hit the back line, you can grapple them and keep them with you. Um, and then they have to try and use their action to try and squeeze out of it. So the grapple is a great and excellent choice if you are trying to keep your allies safe and keep the enemy from getting to them. These are all tools you have at your disposal. There's more actions in the player's handbook that you can look up. Um, but for Barbarian, uh, attacking, disengaging, dashing, dodging, and grappling are going to be your bread and butter actions for your character. Let's talk gear and equipment. Here's some of the stuff that a um, the barbarian is going to start with, and here are some items that might help a barbarian. You start with any martial weapon of your choice or great axe. Um, great axes deal the highest weapon dice damage, um, but a great sword or a uh, or a uh, maul deals more consistent damage. So if you want bigger highs and lows with your um, with your weapons, take a great axe. If you want more consistent damage, I take a great sword or maul. Two hand axes or a simple weapon. Uh, martial and simple weapons, just to quick, very quickly describe them. Simple weapons are weapons that are easier to learn, and martial weapons are more difficult and challenging weapons that take much more practice and time to develop. 
So not necessarily more damage. Most of the time it means more damage, but it just simply means a weapon that takes more practice and skill to use. Um, so you pick two hand axes or any simple weapon, and then an explorer's pack and javelins. You get four javelins. So you have some ranged opportunity. Let's say you can't quite you can't quite reach something or something's flying. You can take out javelins and throw them at it. Um, that works just fine. You just can't use reckless attack on it because it is a ranged attack. Here's some good equipment that you might want to pick up eventually as a barbarian. You, bef you definitely want to pick up sh a shield. <laughs> pick up a one-handed weapon and a shield, and you will have something to swap to whenever things get tough. When the going gets tough and you're taking a lot of damage, what you can do is you can use uh, an object interaction or effectively a free action to switch out what you're holding. So you can... Uh, once per turn, switch out what you're currently wielding, and you can switch your great axe out for a shield and a single-handed weapon. That way, you're taking you have a higher armor class, but you're dealing a little bit less damage. It is a trade-off, but I think it is a trade-off that is worth it if you're if you are struggling and you are taking a lot of damage. Um, a reach weapon like a halberd, a spear, or a glaive. That means a weapon that you can reach five feet more with. Regular D&D uh, combat, a melee attack, your range is five feet. The enemy that's right in front of you. With a weapon like a halberd or glaive, you have a 10-foot reach, which means you have a much wider range of motion with your weapon. Um, so it could be a great way to catch enemies that are kind of running by you. Um, I have a barbarian in my campaigns. Uh, Tosca, who has a um, who has a how who has a glaive, and I forget about that all the time. And I'll have someone run ten feet by him because I'm like, oh, they're not gonna, he's not gonna be able to hit him. And then he's like, oh, opportunity attack, and I'm like, oh, okay. And he's like, oh, that's a crit, that's forty damage. I'm like, okay. all right, uh, you cut his head off as he's running by because he's he's gone. So getting a uh, getting a reach weapon's great. Um, magic items that you might want, any bonuses to damage, attack rolls. Armor class, HP, movement speed are all going to help. Um, or abilities that help you get in good spots or that help deny more damage are going to be excellent choices for your um, for your Barbarian. So anything that's going to give you bonus damage or bonus HP, so higher offense, higher defense, those are things that's going to help you. Lastly, the last thing I want to touch on are feats that you can choose if you want to get some more uh, really awesome abilities. So to describe really quickly how you get them, every so often you get what's called an ability score improvement as you level up. You can choose to either do one of three things. Get a plus two in the score of an ability of your choice. Get a plus one in two, in two ability scores of your choice. Or negate it and choose a feat instead. Feats are special abilities that you can choose that give you that uh, are open to anyone. Uh, so long as you meet the requirements of them. Um, for barbarians, uh, I recommend that you have a great strength modifier and a great constitution modifier first before you start selecting your feats. Um, you get uh, you get ability score improvements at levels 4, 8, 12, 16, and 19. Um, some classes get it more often, like the fighter and rogue, um, but that's the majority of classes get it at those levels. Um I recommend having a good strength and good constitution first, but here are some great uh, some great feats I think that you would enjoy. Sentinel is an excellent ability. It's one of my favorite feats uh, in D&D. It's an excellent, excellent choice. Um, the Sentinel feat effectively says, you aren't going anywhere. 
uh, good luck, haha, try again next time. If someone tries to leave your range and you get attack, an attack of opportunity, you can use your reaction to hit them. If you hit them, their movement speed is reduced to zero. Kind of like catching them with the end of your blade and, and tugging them back and keeping them there. So let's say that you're fighting someone and they try and go around you to hit the wizard. You can use your reaction and hit them. You can do that anyways. Uh, at the beginning of each of your turns, you get a reaction that you can spend on a, on a time that is not your turn. So you could use your reaction to try and hit someone walking behind you, walking away from you, so long as they're within melee range. And if you hit them, their movement speed reduced to zero. Also, if an ally within within five feet of you takes dam uh, gets hit, you can use your reaction to make a melee attack against the person, so long as they are also within range. So if you're buddied up with a paladin and you guys are fighting side by side, and an enemy hits the paladin, you could use your reaction to hit them as well. More attacks are always a good thing. <laughs> They're always a good thing for barbarians. Great weapon master is one of the key feats for any barbarian that wants to really show off their merit in combat. You get uh, two abilities, two features with this. One, if you knock a creature unconscious or you deal a critical hit, you can use your bonus action to make an attack. Just You just get to make another attack for free. <laughs> it's, 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 there's nothing bad about that. That's awesome. It'd be a great feat if that was just it. So you're fighting multiple enemies and you knock one down, you can use your bonus action to make another attack. So that means at level five, if you had that, you'd have three attacks you could make in a turn, hypothetically, if you land that crit which means Reckless Attack works even better, or if you knock someone unconscious. The other ability you get is you can choose to, whenever you're making your attack roll, you're rolling to hit, you can choose to take a minus five on the attack roll, and then you, if you hit, you add plus 10 damage to the damage roll. What the heck? 10 confirmed damage? That is ridiculous. That is so good. And it's a minus five to hit. But we have an ability called Reckless Attack, which gives us advantage on the attack. Which means that kind of counteracts that minus five to hit. Um, on average, rolling with advantage means that you get about a plus a minus a plus four to your roll on average. It gives you about a plus four on your average roll. But with this, you take a minus five. So on with with reckless attack and with great weapon master, if you choose to do this heavy attack that gives you the minus five to hit and the plus ten to damage, if you roll with reckless attack, you're really only taking a minus one penalty to the to the roll. Um, and so rolling and hitting and dealing what would be 1d12 plus 6 is now 1d12 plus 16, which is, as a permanent DM, I, I really like this, I really like this feat, but man, it is so good. It is so good. The tough feat gives you just extra HP. It gives you HP equal to your level times 2, and every time you level up, you add an additional 2 HP to your maximum HP. So that means that over the course of 20 levels, you're going to eventually get plus 40 maximum HP. If you want more HP and you want to deal and you want to be able to tussle a lot longer, tough feat's great. It's very solid. The excuse me, the savage attacker feat allows you once a turn, whenever you roll with a melee weapon and you roll damage, you can roll the damage twice and choose to take the higher number. So let's say I have a great axe and I hit you on my first attack. I can roll two d12s and pick whichever one I want. <laughs> I rolled a 4 on this one and an 11 on this one. Which one do you think I'm going to pick? Overall, it just means much higher average damage once per turn. Lastly, depending on the damage type you're doing, bludgeoning, piercing, or slashing damage with your weapon, the Crusher, Piercer, and Slasher feats um, from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything are excellent choices for your uh, Barbarian. 
the Crusher allows you to push people around, the Piercer allows you to deal more average damage, and the Slasher reduces the movement speed of um, creatures. And all, all of them also deal an extra ability. Um, they all have an extra ability whenever you crit against an enemy. Um, Crusher gives you gives your allies extra uh, gives your allies advantage on attack rolls against them when you crit. Piercer it deals you're allowed to roll an extra damage dice of piercing damage, and the slasher allows you to um, give that enemy disadvantage on all of their attacks against everyone for the next turn. So it's a great way to kind of really capitalize off the type of damage that you're doing. So that is one, two, three. That is seven different feats that you could pick for your barbarian. And overall, man, that's that's it. I say that's it like we didn't just talk about that for a obscenely long amount of time. But Barbarians are one of the coolest classes in the game. So I hope that this class guide helps you determine whether you want to play a Barbarian or not. If you're a DM and someone's telling you, I want to play a Barbarian, but I don't know how, send them this video or send them this podcast. Let them listen to this and let them come to their own conclusion if this is something that they'd want to play. But... Overall, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Wizard Apprentice Podcast. I have been your host, Seth. Follow us on Instagram at the Wizard Apprentice Podcast, where we post often. We're posting questions of the day, and we have our homebrew uh, stat blocks Google document where we are uploading weekly new monsters that you can add to your games. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.